Okay, ready? <laughs> so I'm ready. Okay. Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leafing Through the Frames and a brand new extension of the channel. Uh, this is a brand new podcast entitled Watch, Barter, and Banter, a podcast in which um, us movie lovers, two friends, uh, basically share a list of movies in which we think the other person should have already seen and uh, my friend here today and I think for hopefully most of the rest of the series is Caleb Aqua you most might of the rest of the series <laughs> I don't I'm know man I'm, I'm... Okay. <laughs> yeah maybe okay. we'll see how this goes uh Caleb Aqua here you might uh recognize his name from the credits of the Beauty and the Beast essay I did um, all the way last year. Uh, he was basically a co-editor and uh, just general collaborator on that essay. So it's really great to have you back. Yeah, good to be here. Yep, and thank you for doing this. 100%. Yeah. So like, yeah, basically, um, yeah, I just wanted this podcast to basically explore just why uh, certain movies have a certain hold on us and also how you know, nowadays, um, for as long as I've been alive and I can remember, I've always used movies and TV shows to, you know, bond with people and mm. make friends. And I think, yeah, that's like a common everyday thing now. Like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite TV show? Did you catch the new season of yada yada? And yeah, it's just like a great way to bond with people and also um yeah to learn about people and what they like mm -hmm. and what resonates with them yeah i remember there's this one wedding i went to i was actually back when i used to dj weddings and there's a guy who is uh at the table with me he's like it's a former classmate's wedding okay and there was another classmate and she brought her boyfriend and we had it was such a hard time to like talk to one another because he seemed very like different Right. But then we started talking about music and we had like a mutual respect for the, I think it was the band Justice mm -hmm. and, or the, the musical group Justice. And he was like, oh, then from then on, it's like the conversation started. So it's really right. like, it's amazing how art and entertainment really does bridge a gap between people who even seem like they're completely different. Yeah, exactly. And like for a long time too, especially in high school, uh, for better and well it's high school for worse like um yeah like movies and tv shows i really use that as a crutch to help me get through you know hard times mm. and also to make friends with people but also at that time too i was like super heavy into anime yeah. and that was still a very niche thing and nobody knew what it was yep. and i was just that weirdo who couldn't stop talking about anime so that yeah that was the core of my friendship with most of my friends in high school yeah like there was a group of that inquired <coughs> but there's a group of us when we just like loved anime yeah and video games and talked about that endlessly yeah but for me too like it's a great way to make friends, but mm. it can also isolate you if you're yeah. not too careful because you just escape into movies. Oh, yeah, you and get lost in the context of it. Yeah, I think I, I like to think I'm better now as an adult, but like, yeah, sometimes you just want to just stay in bed all day and Netflix and YouTube and yeah, yeah not a great I, way to I live understand. life, but yeah, it's a good, you need to find a good balance. If I had my way, that's all I'd do. Just like IV into, well, no, no. I, I like to eat. Yeah, you like to if eat. If I could be paid to watch TV all day, 
I think that'd be one of the things. You know what? I feel like if I if I was younger, I would love I would have loved that job. Now I don't think I would actually. As much as I still love movies and I love vegging out, if you make that your job, that's kind of which is kind of what you're this a reviewer. Yeah, which is this YouTube channel. Some so I don't know what I'm now. saying. Like, why can't I? Yeah, oh, fair enough. Okay, so like uh, for the first two movies we have decided um, for this episode, um, actually, we'll just bring up the first one first. It is, I believe, Boots Riley's uh, 2018 directorial debut entitled Sorry to Bother You. Our protagonist, Cassius Green, this down-and-out young man, Who's so strapped for cash? He is living in his uncle's basement, and isn't it his garage? Oh yeah, sorry, garage. You're right. Basement is too posh for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally his garage with the open door, with the automatic open door and everything. Basically, with him being strapped for cash and needing to make his uncle's rent, which is like four months overdue. He takes up a job as a telemarketer at this company called Regal View. And after quickly realizing the power of using the quote unquote white voice. Something neither of us have. <laughs> yeah. Or we kind of do, no, yeah, yeah. as the as the movie says, um, his career at Regal View skyrockets in the midst of all this. His own co-workers are rallying for a union and better benefits and just, you know, against corporal oppression in general. And then there's also this kind of ominous company called Worry Free that's constantly being promoted in the background. Eventually, uh, Cassius gets the ultimate promotion um, up the corporate ladder and is made this like executive uh, telemarketer position. I don't know what exactly you would call it. PC baby power caller. Power caller. Power caller. Power caller, baby. Power, 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 power caller, man. Power caller. But basically, he skyrockets to the top, um, in which he gets roped into this new position that gives him wealth beyond his wildest dreams until he discovers that he might have bit off more than he can chew and is roped into something that he was completely unprepared for. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that was basically the gist of the movie. Caleb, this was a movie I wanted you to see Mm -hmm. off of my list for you. What did you think of this one? Well, I really liked this movie. Oh yeah. I, it was like, it was one of the movies I, I actually wanted to see myself, but this mm-hmm. like many movies I'm like, I just don't make an effort or time to go see it. So right. I was glad that you recommended it to me and I mm-hmm. was, it's a very interesting movie. I yeah. like the fact that it has a lot of surreal elements yeah. and it's one of those movies that talks about a lot of issues, but at the same time, it's not like preachy in a sense. It's no. just like opens your eyes and gives you multiple perspectives of yeah certain issues and then you're like oh that's that's an interesting way of presenting it it is yeah um yeah like you said i really love the surreal element Mm -hmm. to it the magic realism and everything like when i first saw the trailer 
like yeah the first thing that caught my eye that it was so wacky and um eccentric Mm -hmm. and it didn't look mainstream so boots riley the director he describes this movie as an absurdist dark comedy with aspects of magical realism and science fiction inspired by the world of telemarketing that is probably the best way to describe the movie yeah because when you go into it you're like oh this is just kind of like like a like a comedic drama of sorts and then no it, it kind of takes you into like you're like oh okay this is a very like fantastical world and then it becomes a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh this is a very fantastical world. oh my god is it um and also like you know in film school they teach you about how important the elevator pitch is Mm -hmm. in terms of elevator pitches this is like the best one i have ever heard in my entire life Mm. seriously if somebody if i was a producer and somebody walked in and pitched that to me like how could you say no to that like that seems like a really interesting concept yeah it it, gets your gears turning it's like what did like what would how would you yeah telemarketing yeah inspired by the world telemarket science fiction why (laughs) tell me more please Yeah, um, so like, uh, like, what did you think of the story, the characters, like? Mm. The story, I, I really like the way the story flowed. Like, like I like how it started off with him trying to like cheat his way into getting into the telemarketing company, right? Like, yeah, the like fake certificate and everything, and you're like, yeah. You're like, oh, this guy, he's he's got, he's qualified for this thing, and you're like, yeah. oh no, he's a fraud. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a fraud. Yeah, but the fake trophy, yeah, and like, the certificate. But yeah. he gets in, like he gets in, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. And basically, that beginning scene is kind of like one of the themes of this movie. Yeah, that's true. That you have to pretend to be somebody else to get ahead mm-hmm. in the corporate world, right? But it's kind of interesting because, like, I guess he had the qualifications in and of himself to do the job anyway. Yeah, it's but telemarketing. It's, like, it's it's one of those things that's like you always have to over like oversell sometimes. You, people oh, yeah. feel like they have to oversell when they could just come and be straight and honest about things. Right. Like yeah. fake it till you make yeah. it, right? But yeah. yeah, he's definitely kinda like sell himself and then sell out in a sense. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a big theme. Um like uh, yeah, and also on top of just wanting to make money and whatnot, he also has this other conflicting motivation which he tells his girlfriend at the beginning that Mm -hmm. at the same time too he wants to actually do something significant Mm -hmm. but he's getting constantly pulled back to reality of you know his uncle's his uncle is about to lose the house Mm -hmm. he's four months behind rent he's living in a freaking garage where you know anytime they try to have sex they risk opening the garage to the entire neighborhood yeah (laughs) that was a great gag that was yeah (laughs) in that situation i'm surprised he didn't try to figure out a way to like just lock it down down. (laughs) put a brick on the handle or something Uh, yeah i know right like seriously would we be remiss to not compare this to get out hmm because they have a lot of parallels so get out like the social issues they presented it's in the disguise of like basically a horror movie Mm -hmm. and this one it's more of a again fantastical satirical comedy Hmm. yeah yeah i know what you mean i get like there's that whole 
situations that by and large will never happen like yeah people aren't gonna like put your brain in someone else's body somebody else's brain in your body right um, yeah it's that's an i've never i didn't really think about the correlation between the two until you mentioned it i felt these two movies uh they definitely share a lot in common well for one thing both movies have lakeith stanfield mm-hmm. um in their cast, Lakeith Stanfield, he plays Cassius Green. In Get Out, he plays the um, oh, the... the guy who actually yells, Get out! Yo! Yo! Chill, man! Chill! Chill! Chill, man! recognize what that's the same actor oh my goodness he's the guy who you know he where the main character yeah yeah he was like he takes a picture of him and the flash yeah triggers i didn't him. even realize yeah. that was the same guy that's totally the same guy he's a fantastic actor he's a chameleon like mm-hmm. stanfield mm-hmm. aside from the casting both are definitely blending genres mm-hmm. um both have crazy twists mm-hmm. in their plot line and uh, of course both of them deals with racism um oppression and navigating a white world mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's true also very specifically they both deal with the theft and repossession of black bodies mm. yeah in a way which we will definitely get to later hmm. um but of course, you know, they definitely differ a lot in plot and style. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to Bother You focuses specifically on capitalism and how it dehumanize, how it can dehumanize you mm-hmm. and uh, robs you of your integrity and individuality. Welcome to the power calling suite, Mr. Green. White voice at all times here. Yes, I uh, almost forgot. Let's talk about the white voice. Oh, yeah. Lakeith Stanfield himself, the actor, Cassius mm. Green, um, he says the white voice isn't race-specific. White people, they also have a white voice. Mm. It's just, you know, they call it a white voice because of just how things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a long while, most successful people in America just happen to be white, so therefore mm. it's called the white voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the voice but, of the majority and the, the yeah, majority. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like he say, he says the white voice it's it basically represents wealth, success, confidence, a mm-hmm. uh, worry-free way of life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, which is, you know, uh, Danny Glover's character. He's like the older sage coworker that's mm-hmm. been there for a while and knows how things work. He. He advises Cassius Green to start using the white voice because then people will be way more willing to buy whatever shit you put in front of yeah. them. Yeah, and it ends up working like gangbusters. Um, like, yeah, do you, do you use a white voice? I mean, I guess hmm. everyone does. Well, I know when I like when i've worked at places yeah you definitely like change your tone oh how, how are you doing it's like you go through a little yeah. bit of a higher pitch oh yeah especially then, in like customer service oh yeah you yeah. definitely have to do that like, like yeah i know some people are like genuinely like when i did work doing a customer service job i did like helping people because that's just part of who i am right um, yeah but you definitely put it on a little bit more you're a little bit more respectful you use of like, course yeah 
and he like gets gentle as possible and people are annoying you you gotta still smile, smile. Yeah. Like, mm, i wish you would leave right now i really don't <laughs> want to help you yeah. i don't want to sell you that computer because i wouldn't want to buy it myself but you want one and you want that one right yeah <sighs> but yeah basically it's just like the persona or yeah. facade you put on to yeah get through work and well, and get the job done. I like how it built confidence in him too, because I think one of the, mm-hmm. the major issues that Cassius had was that he wasn't, he wasn't confident at first. Like he didn't feel like you, like he could accomplish. But then it's no. like he started using, and he's like, "Oh, this is a yeah." And it's like, "Oh my god, I'm good at this." Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I have to say, yeah. Like especially in your young adulthood, mm-hmm. when you actually find something that you're competent at, and. Yeah you know you're even better at people better than other people like you're like oh my god i feel like a badass yeah i can under totally understand why he doesn't want to quit that job Mm -hmm. and join the rest of his co-workers Mm -hmm, and not to mention making him a lot of money Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's interesting like because he very much contrasts with his uh his girlfriend detroit oh yeah the artist who's like got a super lot of integrity is like yeah and has a very uh yeah carefree bohemian non-conformist lifestyle Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um yeah but it was interesting like what did you think about their dynamic and well it's cool that like their partnership like you could tell that they were they were really compatible with one another um you think yeah yeah they were it's just cash has had some issues that he needed to come overcome for himself but i feel like overall like she was i feel like she was the stronger person with more integrity yeah um but it's like there's a high level of compatibility it's just when he started to lose his integrity she's like yeah yeah but it's interesting like even just talking about the white force how it's like she used her white voice kind of just to bring an audience to bring awareness to particular issues where Cash has used his white voice for his own personal gain and benefit. Interesting. In the movie, Tessa Thompson, who plays Detroit, uh, Cash's girlfriend, uh, yeah, she's uh, an aspiring artist. And at one point, like in the third act of the movie, she finally holds this art gala. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that scene um, because, good God, <laughs> she does this like this performance uh, piece where she, I guess she's supposed to represent Africa and the and the piece is about the exploitation of African labor and how you know people over there are used to mine the minerals to make our cell phones mm-hmm. and then the, her performance piece she stands up there like barely wearing anything and then is reciting a monologue from a movie i forgot i forget which one yeah we'll edit it in while i'm standing here i will be reciting excerpts from the timeless motown produced movie entitled the last drag and and then has the audience throw cell phones at her like, <laughs> and, and, and balloons filled with fake blood and i'm like yeah performance art first of all is so strange to me uh yeah like, i yeah i like arts i like being creative but that's really far yeah it's, I, it's a little bit more than my it's really out of your yeah. comfort zone. Yeah, I think it is for me too. I want to be open to that type of mm-hmm. expression. Um, 
But yeah, sometimes I'm just like, this is really too weird for me. Mm. I can't connect with this. Um, but yeah, that was a very uh, uncomfortable and interesting oh, yeah. scene nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that was trying to say? Well, other than the obvious? Like, because Cassius wasn't pleased with her, her art. Like, He wasn't what? Pleased with her art. Like, No. Yeah. And that's... He, he was saying how, like, why, why are you letting these people do that shit to you? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But We're, it's like, I think it's just... Whereas, actually, it kind of connects back to what you said. You say how she's using her white voice to at least make people aware of certain issues. Mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, in a way, she is whoring herself out for her art and again to make people aware of these issues whereas with Cassius he's whoring himself out just for the it's, money it's, it's like it's 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 kind of like the same thing but kind of different same end but different methods to get there because they're both looking for for the payout in a sense yeah but at the same time like the methodology it's weird like I, I'm yeah. not com- com- completely sure of what yeah. what I feel about that scene I right. think performance art in general is pretty... But when you... Yeah, it's like sometimes you just got to do what you do to get people's money. Uh, yeah, and attention, I yeah. guess. So, yeah. But it's it's kind of weird because it's like how... Sometimes you wonder, it's like how effective is is what the person's doing? Because somebody's going to talk about it and like... Like if you go to an art performance like that, you're like, I went to this really weird art performance. This person was doing this all sorts of weird stuff. And it's like... There might be some people who understand the, the significance of what the art piece is supposed to communicate. And I feel like a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, is that is that the effective means of communicating? Which is kind of funny because she's got cell phones thrown at her. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that's another metaphor within the layer of her art performance yeah. piece. Uh, let's... Um, let's get to the uh back to the plot so when cassius gets promoted he goes from like selling encyclopedias or something Mm -hmm. to um selling slave labor right (laughs) yeah before a drone drops a bomb on an apartment building in pakistan who drops the bomb ass sales pitch you may ask cassius we do okay so you said Firepower, manpower? Worry-free is our biggest client. We help thousands of companies utilize worry-free workers to improve their efficiency. So wait, are you telling me you sell slave labor to companies over the phone? Hot damn it. You are a sharp one. Worry-free in in this movie, it's constantly being promoted in the background on billboards, TV mm-hmm. commercials, the radio, what have you. And it is led by the very handsome, charismatic CEO, Steve Lift, played mm-hmm. by Army Hammer. And basically what worry-free is, it promises people a worry-free life where you never have to worry about shelter or food or paying the bills ever. If you just happened to sign a lifelong contract with them and work for them for life. I feel like that's the way the market is going in a lot of ways. Because even like looking at some like software, like software as a service is a big thing now where you like every month you pay, you pay to use. 
yeah. probably some software we'll use to make this video. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you so you're like you're completely locked in. Like when you get a cell phone, it's like to buy it outright. Like how many people just go on a contract year after year after year? Yeah, and I think it's like. That. And it's funny because, like, what's his name? Uh, Steve Lips. He's kind of like a Steve Jobs type character, but kind yes. of more like if Steve Jobs and then uh, Elon Musk did the fusion dance together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd get that man. And lots more, and a lot more cocaine. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like, the whole character of Steve Lift is. Mm -hmm. The thing about him is, like, that was interesting about his character is that he thinks he's doing good. No, conclusively no. Our workers do not sign contracts under threats of physical violence. So therefore the comparison to slavery is just ludicrous and offensive. We're transforming life itself. We're saving the economy. I mean, we're saving lives. It's all highlighted in my book. I lay out the whole thing. And it's, it's just kind of weird, like, you, because you usually think like a character in a movie like that who's the oh, the owner of the mega corporation is going to have like some evil plan who's like, I want to destroy the world, take it over. But just like, but he's like, seems like the kind of guy who is like, I want to make sure you're happy, but yeah. I've got this really interesting plan of how I'm going to... So this is... Yeah, it's like yeah. some people want to make the world a better place, but like, what does that say? But through his very askewed absurd screwed yeah. up version yeah it's like that the road to the road to hell's paved with good intentions kind of situation yeah exactly so like boots riley one thing he wanted to express in this movie was how like the new corporate world today it's very insidious because it disguises itself as something else right mm -hmm. like um I'm like paraphrasing what I saw in his interview. He's like, this isn't your workplace. This is a beanbag room. We have like mm -hmm. foosball and an arcade and I'm your, I'm, I'm not your boss. I'm your pal. I mm -hmm. just happen to be your leader and I tell you what to do sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And in casting Army Hammer, who's this like tall, strapping, handsome guy, um, and he's he he says in real life army is like a super genuinely good guy mm -hmm. um yeah he wanted to cast someone who you would trust immediately mm -hmm. right like yeah this guy is cool he's hip and mm -hmm. um yeah which is lends itself to how insidious mm -hmm. you know the corporate world can be yeah it's kind of like yeah. steve jobs like whenever he did his keynote speeches like steve he was, Job was captivating he was intimidating though um personally i never found him intimidating i found him engrossing like i was just like engaging sorry i, I was like engaging. he was yeah. like he just the way he spoke like he spoke with so con such confidence it's like you felt like i need to like whatever yeah. that guy's doing like i i support him i support everything he's doing but then in the background you found out he's a jerk yeah. <laughs> like he was he was using his white voice <laughs> And his black turtleneck. Yeah, his black turtleneck and the jeans. Oh, he man, never like, changed his clothes. Yeah. But I like, I just, I like that dynamic that they chose. Like, yeah. Even like. Exactly. Yeah. So, Steve. Um, in talking about Steve Lift and again, his plans, let's oh, get to the wow. big twist of this movie. Spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, so basically, uh, like I said, Cassius gets promoted to like uh, 
the top tier of telemarketing where he now gets to sell slave labor. And then he goes to uh, basically a work party at Steve Lift's place, which is basically um, their own version of the Eyes Wide Shut party yeah. with cocaine and orgies and whatnot. And he gets pulled into, yeah, um, uh, oh, into Steve Lift's office where Steve Lift makes him an offer on this new job proposition i guess but before he lets him in on the big reveal uh cassius has to go to the washroom oh right yeah what 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 color door did he have to go in the the jade door yeah yeah he says to go into the jade door on the left or whatnot but he accidentally goes into the olive door right yeah so basic his fault and he comes across um uh jesus what do you even call them equisapiens equisapiens which is basically uh he finds out that steve lift has been taking the worry-free you know slaves or employees what have you and crossbreeding them with horse genes yeah to create a new type of like super worker yeah super worker basically a yeah a person who's basically a workhorse yeah yeah so they will they will never get tired they're Uh, stronger like just better like superhumans like yeah superhumans they don't get tired uh, they won't complain like, like those stupid human beings right um what did you think about that twist? I was not expecting that. Oh my god, no. I, you mentioned them before. You mentioned, like, oh, there's a twist. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what the twist is then. And you said, like, what the heck am I watching? It's like, the movie yeah. like, it, it was like, it was fantastical at first. And then yeah. you're like, this, what is this? What is... But I think that's, like, that shock value is... Uh, I think that's kind of... Like, it was very valuable to have that. Because you're like, oh, man, it's like, this company is evil. Yeah. Like, changing people into horses without their consent, without their... <laughs> like, you're just like... And it's like, it was in the cocaine. Yeah, it was in the cocaine. Oh, which man. Cassius snorts right before he goes to the washroom. And, like, yeah, I remember... I don't think I knew about any twist in this movie. And I was watching it in bed. It was late at night. And I wasn't feeling per- that tired, but then when that first Equisapien falls out of that stall, I oh was... Oh my goodness, like, what is that? Yeah, I was like, maybe I am tired. Am I watching <laughs> this right? I didn't know what the hell that thing was. I thought it was a werewolf. It looked like a werewolf. I'm like, what am I looking at? And then it starts, like, crying and calling for his- for help. And then, basically, Steve lifts. He, like... Oh, shows him the video about what his plans were. Like yeah. Like this claymation video with the... Yeah, stop motion. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Which is basically, yeah, a corporate video just describing, this is what we're doing, and it's going to be incredibly efficient and beneficial for the company. And it's great. It's like, it's presenting it in such like a happy-go-lucky manner. Again, another kind of a parallel to Get Out. Mm. Because in Get Out, he's shown a video. It's like... This is what we're doing. Yeah. We're just taking your bodies and putting our brains into it. And it's great. It's wonderful. Shh, it's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and and again, like what you say about um, this company being completely evil and Jack Ape insane. Steve Lift doesn't see it that mm-hmm. that way. He's just like, dude, I'm not evil. Isn't that what he says? I think yeah. It's like yeah. He just, just got with a like a good idea in his mind. So you making half human, half horse fucking things so you can make more money? Yeah, basically. I just didn't want you to think I was crazy, that I was doing this for no reason because this isn't irrational. Oh, cool. So then, uh, yeah, Cassius from then on out, he has to, yeah, he, he basically realizes, Jesus Christ, what have I gotten myself into? And basically uh, goes out to expose, you know, the evil of worry free to the world, which mm. he does. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? It's like, oh, because there's that, I guess earlier in the movie, they have that show. I can't remember what it's like where people get punched. Yeah. And he goes on that show so that he can announce to the world, it's like, this is yeah. what worry free is doing. And they, essentially, it's like a show where you get punched and humiliated yeah. in order to get prize money and yeah, then not punch. at all commentary about entertainment today oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> um and wipe out kind of show well yeah. not like wipe out like it's not like it's just people being beat up yeah basically again crap and whatnot yeah for the sake of money and, and then he announces this mm-hmm. is what worry free is doing and then their stock shoots up super high You're like oh my goodness yeah at first people are kind of shocked and he's getting on all these news programs about what they're doing mm-hmm. And then their stock shoots up even higher, and they become even more successful for it. Yeah, yeah. Just like, are you kidding me? I think it's just—it's one of those things where I feel like there's certain companies that they could do something really. In my opinion, Apple getting rid of the headphone jack on their phones is like one of those really dumb, mm-hmm. really dumb ideas because it kind of like it cuts away like. It's just like it's a money grab as far as I can see. Right. But then yeah. every company starts doing it afterward. And yeah. there's certain companies that just have influence over over markets and they make a choice and people will people are subject to them. Like you can't overcome the the man per se. I guess. But also like it was commenting on the fact that we've gotten to a place where we hear about a horrible atrocity. Mhm. But then we come become complacent yeah. and we get used to it and we move on. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, it's just the way things are. The outrage of the day. It's like, oh, who can I be mad at? Like, oh, but oh, can I make money off of that? Oh, I can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, oh, man, what? Like, it's a really ugly mirror to hold up to ourselves and mm-hmm. to our society. But yeah, that's basically, yeah, how we react. Mm-hmm. most of the time now which is awful but yeah. it has to be said so we can stop <laughs> yeah so. yeah but th- yeah we how do you like go back though i think that's the thing yeah because people are so used to the comforts of a lot of the things that we have so like right exactly like, do you really want to give up your cell phone in order for people to not be in like pretty much slaves like mining materials for it is like you can there's a way to do it without slaves i'm pretty sure i bet there is yeah but it won't be as cheap and i think that's the thing that's it's like fine. people want stuff cheap it's just that everybody needs cell phones 
and there's enough people who want cell phones you could still make the prices competitive about slave labor i'm pretty well, i'm sure. not saying like i'm just saying there's in general like the things that the compromises we're willing to take in order to have what we want yeah exactly like, there's so many compromises that people turn a blind eye to yeah it's like big companies a lot of times do things you're like yeah it's well pr- it's pretty crappy the alternative costs a lot more than Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, in terms of like the film techniques that were implemented for Sorry to Bother You, I, what caught your oh eye? Man. I loved when he he first doing his telemarketing thing, and his his desk goes and like falls into the the living rooms of people who. Uh, yeah. I'm like that. That's. It's a great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think it's a good like metaphor for how you feel when a telemarketer calls. It's like they call at any time that they feel, and then you're like, you feel like they're imposing on your personal space and time. You're like, mm-hmm. and like, unless like, I'm not like one of those people who are just like, sorry, bye, and hang up. I'm like, I'll listen to them. I'm like, I'm not interested. Bye. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. It's like, do I really need to be nice to this person? Exactly. It's so difficult, and I'm sure the, the telemarketer himself, mm-hmm. herself, whoever is on the other end is feeling really crappy about yeah. it. It's like, I'm sorry, I, this is my job. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. I got to pay rent. Yeah, and I think that's like the way it's presented how Cassius feels when he first, like, yeah. I, I like how the first time he falls into somebody's living room, it's like his lap falls over. He yeah, it's it like, oh, like, God. It's oh, like, what am here. I doing here? Like, I'm, I'm transported into another place. And then. Yeah, that was a great practical effect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most colorful movies to date I've seen, just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just really fantastic eye candy and how they portrayed Oakland, California. Again, you feel the heat of this movie, mm-hmm. just how hot it is over there and how oppressive that environment can be too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how stressful it is on top of yeah everything else mm-hmm. that's going on. I was just reminded of the one scene. Well, it's not regarding the... <laughs> the color but the, the wipe window wiper scene oh the window like wiper that's... scene again practical effects yeah. this movie used a lot of practical effects mm-hmm. yeah again with him like being dropped down in the office <laughs> yeah so, like, they're he's... so poor their window wipers don't work and they have to attach the window wipers so with one rope. person on either side's pulling pulling yeah exactly like, that's ghetto <laughs> oh my god and then um also, yeah, in terms of like the makeup, the Equisapiens. Oh, those things were just like uncanny, but I'm, on I'm purpose. I'm glad they didn't use CG for that. Like, yeah. I don't think it would have felt. It wouldn't have felt real. No. Like the texture that they had, like they were hideous. Yeah, they were hideous. Um, you know, sin, sin against nature, yeah. against God. It kind of reminded me of like. Back in the day, the Ninja Turtles live action movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. That absolutely reminded me of that. And like the way their lips move, you're like, oh, yeah. Goodness, but that's... it worked for this film because they weren't supposed to look polished in any mm-hmm. way. It's supposed to be very gritty and uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Uh, so, yeah, the practical effects and makeup were fantastic. Um, and um also yeah the costuming mm-hmm. was pretty cool they did a lot of fun colorful things with detroit with mm-hmm. the, her hair color and, and all her shirts and all her shirts so, like, wow. yeah <laughs> um cassius's suits mm-hmm. how they transition from kind of like cheap looking to s- super expensive and sleek mm-hmm. uh my favorite costume actually was steve lift's costume when he's first introduced 
Um, it took me the second time to notice it, but he's wearing like the most stereotypical, like pretentious, douchey outfit you think a billionaire would wear mm. to be hip. He's wearing like a scarf and sandals. Would you trust a guy that wore both sandals and a scarf it's at like, the same time? like, you know, that's the, the financial bracket where you really don't have to care what you wear. Yeah, like, pretty much. No, but for him, you know, like, he was, he probably has a stylist that told yeah. him, like, the, this is like yeah, the hip new look. Out, the sandals and a scarf. Scarf, yeah. It's, like, it's mm. subversive. Yeah. <laughs> what was the worst job you've ever had in order to make ends meet? Especially, worst job. Um, especially like say in your the first years of your adulthood where you kept a job you hated because I've most of the jobs I've had I've had for a fairly long period of time. The oh first gosh. job I ever have ever had was I mowed lawns for my family doctor. Um, they were also family friends as well, but right. It was well. First of all. When you have asthma and allergies, mowing the lawn is a very, very mm. bad job. Yeah. I'm like, oh, as a doctor, was... he should have known that. <laughs> well, she she was the she, I, did she just hired me? I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah, she it's, forgot it's a... you had asthma <laughs> while she hired. Well, I had my inhalers, like I had medication, but it was just like, okay, just it was hot. I hated yeah. the like the the feeling of like the grass on my skin i'd get hives from it oh, my lungs fun. would inflame my nose would be sniffling mm-hmm. and it was just like oh it was i hated it i hated it so much and my dad for whatever reason kept my checks i don't oh. know why and he like i don't know how he cashed them either but he did he kept the money like he didn't set up an account for you no i don't think so and eventually i just kept the checks for myself but i think i don't remember what he i think part of it like he would use it for things that i needed okay but at the same time like i was like wait a minute what's going on yeah (laughs) i see but he would at least use that money to buy you like school supplies yeah still use it on you for me but it's just like yeah he kept i'm like this is this is a weird situation it is like as a kid i was like so it's like 12 12 13-ish, and I was like, I just didn't think to be like, yeah. I should keep the money that I made myself. Yeah, man, your man was, your old man was keeping you down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, essentially, you're like this young black boy doing physical labor for free. That sounds kind of problematic. <laughs> well, the family, that I, the, my family doctor was black, too. So okay, like, all right. Well, that, like the I guess worst thing in the world. that makes it okay, then, I guess. Though, right, yeah. It was just like, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a bad job yeah. for me. Like, I don't think right. there's anything wrong with mowing the lawn. Like, no. They had a big yard, too, and that was the other thing. Like, Yeah. But... How old were you again? It's like 12, 13-ish. That's a lot for 12, Well, 13. I don't even think it's a lot. I just... For, like, having allergies and, like, asthma, yeah. it was just like... That sucked. Of course. And, I like, I just didn't like mowing the lawn like i i it's, there's a few th- like chores i don't like doing mowing the lawn and taking out the garbage yeah like, i hate doing both right like you have to of course yeah but i if i never had to do either of those again i would never do them really yeah uh my worst job to date is yeah dental assisting for four years mm. that really yeah gutted me <laughs> hard mm. yeah and yeah, kind of like, um, yeah, I think it's like a milestone for 
most people in their 20s you sometimes just have to keep that job you hate mm -hmm. um and it, it yeah it's growing pains and you learn a lot doing that mm -hmm. hopefully not you you don't learn it too long yeah. um but yeah like in, in a way too i i was i'm grateful for the years i got in dental assisting it, i think it, i learned a lot about myself i learned how much i can how much i can put up with mm -hmm. and also how much i should not put up with yeah. um but yeah it was just like again working for a few dentists not all of them were horrible but just working for a few dentists where you're trying so goddamn hard to please them and even when they just accidentally or in passing drop a thank you you're like oh my god thank mm -hmm. you 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 acknowledge the one little yeah you've acknowledged something I've done for you but yeah just even when you but then one mistake can ruin your whole your whole day mm -hmm. and they make you feel it and it's mm. just like oh god I need to get the heck out of here see I worked I worked at Burger King for four years right one of the uh, there's another few other yeah. jobs I've had since then but fast food jobs that was the one thing I never wanted to do because I knew I would be horrible at it I I was good at it yeah. The the issue with the job wasn't that the fact that like it was one like I worked there during lunchtime for school and people would come to school and from school and like uh at lunchtime. So they hired some students to go work at lunch and I ended up working there for like from grade ten to like a year after I graduated. Mm -hmm. It's one of those jobs that like I should have left sooner. Mm -hmm. But I was just like I was super comfortable. I hate looking for jobs. I, I will say I hate yeah. resumes. I Everyone hate that stuff. So that. I stayed too yep. long. Like, mm -hmm. but it was from my experience. Like my managers liked me. They liked me quite a bit. My biggest issue that I feel like I had was that I cared more than some of my coworkers did. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't you just it's do hard. a good job? Like, yeah. I don't. I, it doesn't matter if you do working fast food. Like it's a very humbling job in a sense. Like, oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just like people don't i feel like people don't think very highly of it as a yeah no but it's a service yeah you, it's yeah. just but you're like oh, why isn't this fast enough like sometimes you're like you just get slammed with stuff and but god yeah it was yeah i remember just there's a point in time where it was like a three-hour shift was like when the manager asked oh we're we could probably let someone go home early it's like anybody want to take i'm like please send me home yeah yeah I'm like when you get to a point at a job where you're just like i don't want to be here for three hours like yeah. that the minimum requirement for a job you're like i thought it was four hours um back home it was three three yeah damn that's a short shift but then um, i cannot it felt like an eternity yeah like, i cannot i can imagine like for me right now i'm working as a production assistant on film sets mm -hmm. and for production assistants are an official full day of work for us is 15 hours one five hours and after that you get overtime and it's pretty great overtime oh, yeah. but still fantastic. after still after once you hit the 16th hour you're like please let me home god for the love of god i don't care about the money anymore let me go home yeah, yeah. i worked av for a few years and it felt very much like working on a set yeah like you're you're there from start to finish like some 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 events were like short i think the longest i've worked was like 23 hours straight and that was i i i, I remember telling my my manager he's like oh that's that's nice i, I worked 
two two hours two days straight once right. because we just had to i'm like okay i have nothing to complain <laughs> but yeah. it was just like you you just had to you had to do it like some yeah. jobs are the ot was good though i bet but the nice thing about that company is that you could bank your overtime so you didn't need to pull it all at once so that you don't jump the tax bracket right oh, yeah it was so nice i bet but Okay. Should we talk about the next movie? Yeah, but before that, uh, just to sum up your thoughts on Sorry to Bother You, would you put Sorry to Bother You on a list for another friend? You oh, 100%. Met? Yeah. Like, it's a... I've recommended it to quite a few people. Yeah, you have? Yeah, good, I was like, good. Uh, like, this movie was... It was not what I was expecting. Like, I expected it to be good, but I didn't yeah. expect, like, it to turn to, like... Yeah. The area that it turned. I found for me too, 2018 was such a boring year in movies. This was definitely a standout. Mm. It like grabbed your attention and it, it was funny. It was engaging. It was shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it got snubbed hard at, for the Golden Globes and Oscars. I don't think it got nominated for anything. Hmm. Which is like, seriously? I like for like Oscars. I would understand because they're stuffy anyway. Golden Globes, though, it should have at least gotten like best director or best original screenplay mm. nominations easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh. it got yeah snubbed. But anyway, yeah, I I think it's safe to say we both definitely recommend. Sorry yeah, to 100%. bother you. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. So switching gears, mm. uh, we're traveling from. The very hot, sunny setting of Oakland, California, to the Swiss Alps. The Swiss Alps or French Alps. Oh yeah, French Alps. Yeah. yeah. Well, like again, Swiss it's movie, never. Yeah, <laughs> it's never specified where this next movie is being set, but it's cold, white, gray, desolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is this movie called? This movie is called False Majeure. It's a Swedish film. Um, I can't remember the. The director has a very interesting... Uh, Ruben Oslin? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's pronounced that way, but I don't think I... Okay. It had the two little dots on top of the O, and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I won't try. Yes. What's your name? And why people always say we're the ones with the weird names. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, tell us what happens in this movie. So this movie is about a, a Swiss family who goes on a skiing trip. And on the skiing trip, a mother, uh, mother, father, daughter, and son, they are on a, they're just doing their skiing, having fun. And then at a lunch, um, lunch outside on the patio, patio balcony patio. Yeah. yeah. Um, they see controlled avalanche explosions and they're watching it kind of come down the hill. And then it seems to get closer and closer and closer. And then it, it's just like coming and then it hits the patio the dad grabs his, his cell phone, his, his gloves, and runs away, leaving his two two kids and his wife behind. Um, and the movie's kind of the aftermath of his decision to run and leave his kids while they're screaming for him for help. So, oh, this is yeah. one I recommended to you. Um, right, yeah. This one is a movie recommended by one of my teachers in film school. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to you, Hans. Yeah, I watched it and I was like, this is... I really, really like this movie, so I, I wanted to, to recommend it to you. So yeah, There's, was there a specific reason why you wanted me to see this? I think part of it, the cinematography is really nice in this movie. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it it's is. like it's a weird movie because it's it's comical, but it's 
it's also very dramatic and the juxtapositions like sometimes it can switch from really comedic to like uh, it's yeah, like, super this is dramatic super tense and dramatic and uncomfortable yeah and it's yeah. i feel like it's a really good character study and a like really good and it makes you yeah. ask that question is like what it, would you do in in a situation like that where it's like some freak accident happens how would you think you would react and it really it also also discusses a lot of uh expectations for for gender gender roles yeah no it, it makes you ask a ton of questions mm-hmm. this movie um all really uncomfortable oh, deep so philosophical good. questions that you do not want to think about on a vacation yeah <laughs> especially a really expensive vacation oh, like yeah. that right but yeah um so i did a bit of research on this ruben oslin the writer director for this film um i think he was the writer for this yeah he was the writer he was the writer yeah um he said he was inspired by a few things but uh he also talked about in an interview this one incident where he was on vacation with some friends and they were at the mall and at one point um someone screamed out that there was a guy with a gun oh uh, in the in the proximity, and he saw this couple in in whatever clothing store they were in. The girlfriend falls down to the ground, crouching down and whatnot, and the boyfriend runs away from her and dives behind the counter. Wow! <laughs> and so and then he he he. Uh, after I guess everything cools off, I don't know what if there was a guy with a gun. I guess things were okay. But he then proceeds to witness their exchange afterwards. Like, oh, that would be super <laughs> awkward. Yeah, and like he he overheard the boyfriend saying, "What did you expect me to be like an action hero or something?" Yeah, oh, I know. Like part of one of the things that he said, he was inspired by kind mm. of uh, there was a YouTube video that he was inspired by. Okay, um, where there was a it was a similar avalanche situation where it was a controlled explosion and it like overtook people and like screamed Did and stuff it? Too. yeah there's a youtube video of that yeah i don't wow. i couldn't find the video again but Dang. um yeah a little on to an aside you know the music in here in the video like the yeah the vivaldi yeah it's uh, an accordion. accordion i was it like is. what I, I couldn't tell i thought it was like a bunch of strings like no but it's, it's just an accordion one dude yeah with mad accordion skills yeah no and he said he got that off of youtube too yeah. like it was a 12 year old boy going crazy on an like accordion it's, it's an amazing i was watching yeah. this like i didn't even know an accordion could sound so epic full but also vivaldi's summer uh, that's the name of the classical music that's constantly played throughout this uh movie about winter mm. <laughs> um the the vivaldi summer it, it sounds epic no mm-hmm. matter what i think it sounds epic being played on a xylophone for god's mm-hmm. sakes or trash cans like well, I, f- I found it really interesting because there's i f- the music yeah it is epic but the juxtaposition yeah. of the film it's kind of like this like steady like it's also very slow slow burn to it well it's yeah 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 i so i guess one of the things i wanted to to ask you about um 
what did you think about uh, the mom? Mother's name is Ebba. Like Ebba, yeah. When she when he she first addresses uh, Tobas the dad about yeah Thomas. The, oh, is it Thomas? It's Thomas. Oh, Thomas, sorry, not yeah. Thomas about uh, the situations. Like, what did you think about the way she approached dialoguing with him about that? From what I remember, they go back to their room in relative silence, mm-hmm. and she's first kind of closed off to him mm-hmm. for some reason yeah yeah and thomas is all like what's what could possibly be the matter yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, like you seem you seem put off what's bothering you <laughs> what could possibly be on your mind I, that, that was hilarious it's like dude you just <laughs> abandoned them in their time of it need it was such an i that scene was really yeah. interesting to me because it's uh, it's one of those things where I feel like if she had been... Because it was like she was very subtexty in the way she was addressing She him. was very subtexty. At, at one point, did she not say that uh, I like we should just agree on the events that happened? That Well, she, I we... think that was later on, I think, at the, when they had... Was it after like the very uncomfortable dinner? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, like she was like... I'm just like, do you feel like anything happened or do you need to say anything? It's like, nope. I'm like, there's certain situations where just being direct yeah. is important. And I feel like yeah. in that case, like, it was interesting just like, I really feel like it may have been mitigated if she's like, you left us at lunch. Like, what What gives? Like, I feel like he would have kept denying it. Yeah, but at the same time, like... So, so like, the real crime that Thomas did isn't abandoning his family. The real crime mm-hmm. is that he just... Couldn't muster up and say, I'm sorry. Yeah, he it couldn't. It would have been solved if it was an I'm sorry. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah, it he, was, oh, it just, he's just exacerbating the situation more and more. It's like, those aren't my version of the events. Oh, my goodness. It's when he like, says that, like, I don't, uh, yeah, at the, the the supper with the yeah uh, that friend. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I don't remember that. Like, I don't. Yeah, that's like. like it's, it's interesting because I like mm-hmm. how the movie talks about, like, it discusses the, the theme of, like, being embarrassed about something because he yeah. was like super like i I would be embarrassed if i like i should have been uh, not even embarrassed can you imagine the crushing guilt and shame oh, yeah, you would feel like... i would shut like you know what how he handled the situation was awful mm-hmm. but i totally empathize with mm-hmm. that i would i would shut down immediately I, like it, it just as a it's just a defense mechanism yeah. it because the guilt you would feel would but just be like crushing the denial was so destructive like he, yeah I, I like the scene after when they're because they show them going to the like a scene of them like going back to the the room i think at the beginning or they're traveling and they're like kind of like a family like all jolly together and then when they're coming back from the the lunch, they're just kind of like yeah, everybody's just disconnected, and you're like yeah, standing oh, it's so like separate, and he's behind them, and all you can see is the back of their heads right. because they're just completely like disconnected from him now because of that betrayal mm-hmm. of what happened. Um, like back to your whole thing about like being embarrassed or. Uh, 
yeah like yeah just making a mistake and being unable to face it Mm -hmm. uh this director he says he's he loves stories about fear of losing face Mm. and he in an interview in an article i read he specifically says men losing their identity is very much connected with being a coward Mm -hmm. which yeah uh correct me if i'm wrong i'm not a man uh Mm that must be is that a thing with you guys yeah the whole the fear of being seen as a coward and and whatnot the pressure of that yeah i think i think both genders kind of deal with that kind of thing it's just i think yeah especially yeah i think for men it's like you want to be strong you want to be self-sufficient you want to be the the person who in faces of any sort of danger can overcome the situation so when you fall short of that, it's like you fall short of like what it is to be a man per se, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I have my own thoughts about that on how that applies to women. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like I think in especially in Western society, um, yeah, there's pressure on men to be heroic. Uh, but the one thing um, Oslin says is that being heroic being moral uh like looking after people um before yourself that's a learned behavior it's Mm. not an instinct yeah um and men are constantly pressured to protect and sacrifice but again that's not an instinct that's Hmm. at least that's what he says he says for some people it will be but i feel like i i agree with him in part i feel like some people it's I feel like some people it'd be instinctive for you to like I feel some people are just instinctively more selfless you think you don't yeah. think that's that's a learned thing through like how they were raised well, or the culture yes to a degree yeah, yeah. It's, I think it yeah I would agree yeah but I, I hmm that's interesting I do feel like some people it comes a little bit more naturally than others right um, so the big question concerning Thomas is what he did during that avalanche um, do we think that that is a reflection a manifestation of his flaws as a father as a man as a husband or can we just play the biology card that he had no control over his actions and it was just his biology kicking in? I don't... Fight, fight or flight, right? Well, I think obviously, like, you're in a dangerous situation. It's like, what do you do? Um, I think it's a combination of both. Like, You think it's a combination like, of both? Well... Do you think... What like, he... I'm thinking, like, if I was in a situation, like, back when my computer before it died... I would like take my computer everywhere with me. And it's right. like, if there was a fire in the building, my first instinct would be like, where's my computer? Where's my backpack with all my, my tech in it? Like, I'm get the hell out of the way, stuff. Diana. Like, <laughs> I'm saving that stuff first. Right, yeah. Because it meant a lot to me. And of I course, feel like, yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people who would protect. Like, how many, there'd be a lot of parents, not this guy, that would like rescue their kids or put themselves in harm's way for right. their kids or for a loved one. Yeah. So I feel like for him, like he, I think 
if we're to just jump ahead like further on in the film like he discusses like he's not the man that he wishes he was in a lot of ways he's no he's a like he's just selfish and he recognizes that and i feel like that's just a manifestation of his selfishness yeah i guess so but i also feel too it was his biology kicking in and it's not to say that that erases the horribleness Mm -hmm. of, of of what happened but you have to factor that in because you know we are still very much even though we want to think of ourselves as civilized and i do believe people can be civilized we're we're still a slave to our basic instincts we Mm -hmm. all have to eat sleep you know defecate whatnot Mm -hmm. yeah it's and when we're confronted with you know a freaking avalanche hurtling at us yeah yeah um you you yeah i don't know so i have to ask you the impossible question um do you think you would have reacted any better if you were thomas in that situation how like knowing yourself as much as you know about yourself do you think you you could have done any better i would hope i would i think that's the thing everybody hopes that they would yeah like i'm sure i feel like like on paper everyone anybody with half a conscience and any value system will say of course i would protect my loved ones in a situation like that that's what everybody wants to do it's just when you're put in that situation you don't know why you really don't know i know i think there's sometimes when you see something happening if like you're because there's been instances where i've seen something like like watching something fall and you're like you have that moment where i could reach out for you and you're like no and then you don't and then it's it's too late like i remember something i remember something falling and breaking once and i was like i had a window of opportunity it was like milliseconds but had i reacted i could have potentially got it because i remember a time when uh I was at a, went for lunch with some friends and one of my friend's daughters was like sitting on a chair and she was like facing the behind of the chair and she fell forward and she's like three years old and it was just like, yeah. I was like, I reached out instinctively to grab her from like falling on her face. Did you stop her? Yeah. It was just like enough time, but I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah, no, but it's just like, I, I feel like my hope is that depending on the gravity of the situation i would assess it instinctively and rescue whomever or my computer (laughs) or my cell phone Uh in order to save myself but i don't know i i can't say like the there's certain things that unless you're put in that situation you don't know how you act no and it's it's but i guess how you deal with it after the fact is after the, the biggest, fact is like the big issue yeah. yeah um i'll i'll set the bar really low for myself i'll be completely goddamn so, useless in a situation, so in a situation like, that. like i don't think i'd dying. i don't think i'd run i would just freeze and let oh, the avalanche okay. take me like people keep keep people often talk about fight or flight there's mm-hmm. actually a third option it's an official like it's a thing it's fight f- fight flight or freeze I, i'm a freezer 
I freeze all the time. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's awful. You'll freeze in the avalanche. Yeah, too. <laughs> I'll freeze in the avalanche too, or in a fire, or in an earthquake. See, I'll, I, yeah. No, I'd I'd sooner run than. You'd sooner run. I'd, I'd sooner run. I'm a freezer, unfortunately. That's, so, that's yeah. See, if you just get some heelys or some rollerblades on in a situation, <laughs> I'll just like grab you by your shirt and like yeah yeah wheel you away. yeah exactly. Thomas. He's he's obviously he and his family they're obviously living comfortably mm-hmm. like high middle class he's able to afford this ski vacation mm-hmm. uh, this is not cheap um, and also like yeah the wife mentions how Ebba mentions how like oh yeah he's constantly working all the time being called up on his cell phone he probably has some I think they might have mentioned his job was in technology, but it's obviously like a white collar type job. Mm-hmm. And I think that also lends itself to the narrative that Thomas, he's a civilian, you know, they're he would from be the guy who's being rescued from the firefighters. If, yeah, pretty yeah. much. He's like the, you know, an everyday modern man, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And then you've, he's suddenly thrown into this um, situation where he's dealing with, yeah, mm-hmm. um, this horrific situation, and he reacts the way I think. I don't know. Most people do, would do. I uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's I, one thing I I guess there's that scene at the the dinner where they she um, she outs him. Emma was like, yeah, like Emma, uh, complete like she's so fed up with the fact that he will not talk about it mm-hmm. that finally she just breaks and goes like he got so scared that he ran away from the table. What? <laughs> no, I did not. No, no, no. Come on. Hey, no, 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 no. I did not. You ran away from the table. What? No, I did not. Yes, you did. Okay, no, I did not. In front of, in front of, like these two people they just met, and then all of a sudden they're pulling these two unsuspecting tourists into their own drama, and mm. it's so uncomfortable. Mm. What? Can uh, <laughs> what? Can you not run in ski boots? What do I mean? Thomas says that you cannot run in ski boots. It's ridiculous. But isn't this a situation that kind of comes really quick? I mean, how do you know how to react? Is it, uh, you cannot no, run in ski boots? Not, not run, run, you can't. <laughs> no. I... You know, I haven't <laughs> skied in years, so I suppose I'm really not the person to ask. Yeah. Well, one thing I really like is when the, uh, what's the name? Uh, is it Matt's and uh, Fa- Franny? Uh, yeah, uh, Matt's and Fanny. Uh, so Fanny. basically, the second couple comes into the movie. Uh, the boyfriend, Matt's, he's like a friend of Ebba and Thomas already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what and did then you... It's, uh, so, like, uh, yeah, the, there's the, the older man. Uh, Matt's is older and then... Uh, yeah, ten Fanny years is older. Like younger, the yeah. younger. She's like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, marrying yeah. the divorcee. Yeah. And it, I like the fact that they had like they have this scene where uh, um, Ebba is like 
talking about the situation and then Matt's yeah. is trying to decipher what went on. He's like trying yeah. to sympathize with uh, Thomas. Yeah. And, and explain uh, to Ebba that yeah, what's going on. Matt's he's like easily like basically the straight arrow in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's the one who he, he yeah, he's the guy thrown into this chaos and he's like the only one kind of yeah. making sense of level headed third party. Yeah, level headed third party, exactly. The thing I liked about the the addition of the second characters is the fact that um, they were able to give commentary about like the movie within the movie. So you have them like uh, Matt and Fanny are talking um, in bed um, and then they're talking about the situation. Yeah. And then it kind of kind of goes into a situation where kind of like the question you asked me, would you stay? And then yeah. they're discussing it amongst themselves. And, and then they like, get into their own fight, yeah, which they get is into hilarious. Their own fight. And it's, it's interesting because Fanny says something about uh, Matt. He's like, well, you're a divorcee. And you now you left your wife and kids, and now you're on a ski trip with a Nike, like, yeah. 19, like a twenty year old girl, and then like it crushes him. He's like, yeah. you don't think I like. Yeah, it's just interesting, and he, he can't let it go. He can't let it go. Yeah, this movie deals a lot with like undermining ideal masculinity, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, vulner- Yeah, it definitely explores male vulnerability, and like specifically, Fanny says to Matt's like. Oh, um, I think your younger brother, he'd be more, he, he's, he probably has a higher probability of staying and protecting the family over you yeah. in an avalanche. And, and like, Matt's is like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> you're t- and he's like, you're saying my younger brother who still lives with my mom would be capable right. of protecting. And then Matt's is like a burly guy with yeah. a beard, redheaded. Yeah, the like, he's bitching just like, beard, yeah. He's like the guy you'd want. He's like, Matt's tearing me to safety. Like, Yeah, exactly. And he's so put off by that. Oh, yeah. And then like he keeps bugging Fanny about that in bed. And she's oh, like, man. God, okay, yes, yes. You would save me in an avalanche. Can you just go to the hell to sleep, please? But it's just like, it's, <laughs> it's, I like that. The, I, one thing I really like about this movie is it just presents men as like, we're not just like testosterone driven knuckleheads it's like we're emotional beings just like women it's just yeah the way we process our emotions and the way we rationalize things is different yeah and and more often than not i would say no yeah so it's like i i really like that scene and then i like how uh they matt and uh thomas go did do their own skiing thing later on right yeah and then thomas like they're on a mountain high up and then the guy's like, Matt's like, you should scream. It'll be, it'll be good for you. And two, three. Ah! Bra. Ta med deg hele magen. Hele magen. En, to, tre. Nei, hva faen det går. Ja, kom igjen. Jeg mener det. Ah! Have yeah. you had moments like that too where you just needed to scream it out? Yeah. Yeah, same. Nice. It's when you're driving, it's good to scream, I think. Driving is good to scream, yeah. Or, yeah, I once screamed in my car alone in a parking lot once just like yeah it was a stressful day Uh, (laughs) yeah but i get how that can be very much therapeutic yeah Yeah. but oh oh, you know what scene what did you think about the scene with all the dudes like yeah there's this one scene in the movie where thomas he kind of gets like swept away by a group of like shirtless drunken Burly men like just screaming. For 
first off, I don't know what the heck that event was. Like a rave festival. I don't even know. Just attended by white men. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah. Uh, just specifically attended by by men alone. Uh, but yeah, like that scene, I think that was very much supposed to show, I don't know, his like uh, the two opposing sides of, of masculinity he's in a very vulnerable position mm -hmm. and then also he's confronted by yeah just like hyper masculinity at its like most yeah. stereotypical like yeah testosterone extreme animalistic oh yeah. it's just like yeah and it's just like it's such an odd scene because it feels like it's coming out of left field in a sense yeah really like, out of what's left going field on? it's like you made a very interesting observation because that happens in succession of those two of these two other moments where he f gets emasculated oh right yeah right i felt that was a very astute point you made like uh right before he's confronted by that wild fraternity rave party full of men uh where he goes to his hotel room and nobody's there and someone has stuck a ch cartoon chicken sticker on Oh, right. The on door. the door. And then before that happens, uh, he's at this bar with Mats. And this woman approaches him and says, my friend wants you to know that she thinks you're the most handsome guy in this bar and walks away. But then 10 seconds later, she walks back and says, I had to come back again. Uh-huh. You made a mistake. She, she didn't mean you. She meant someone else, my friend. She didn't mean you. Okay. I'm sorry. It was my fault. Okay, no, it's fine. Thank you. Let's have a good time. I, like, I actually read in an article that that event happened to the the director of the movie. Yeah. Like he was in a in a bar and somebody comes up to him and then she's like, "Oh, sorry, I met this the wrong guy." I'm like, the fact like, and for him like he was going through a divorce at the time. Too. Oh shit! <laughs> you're like. Oh, uh, so it's like, I don't know if, like, your self-esteem gets boosted. You're like, yeah, I'm top of the world. And you're yeah. just like, oh, sorry, I've got to take your, your 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 mountain out from underneath you. Yeah, that's awful. Sorry, lay on the ground. God like, damn. That's... That is brutal. I'm like, dang, Skippy. It's weird that the humor in this movie is very different because it's not, like, laugh-out-loud yeah. humor. It's just, like, it's just kind of, like, awkward, cringy moments. Yeah, and I, at first, um, I remember discussing this with you. I didn't quite know why the heck this movie was being categorized as a comedy because mm -hmm. when I first watched it, I watched it alone. I, I took it as like a full-on drama. Yeah. Uh, the only semi-funny parts was the argument between Mats and Fanny in bed. But the rest of it, I was just like really heartbreaking and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But then I watched it for the third time, I think, with you. Mm -hmm. And that was when I got the humor. Yeah, it's I just think like, it's just awkward. Like, oh, yeah, man. I feel like this movie, it, it's better if you watch it with somebody because that way you get to dissect what's going mm -hmm. on and like, you know, realize what's so funny about these scenes, mm -hmm. even though it's not like laugh out loud. Humor. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's. Yeah. humanity is just funny in that sense. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's a very intentional movie. Yeah, like, super intentional. Um, 
like this movie it's definitely like we said it's a slow burn Mm -hmm. it's very european Mm. and i think the cinematography definitely lends itself to that long takes Mm -hmm. and also long distance takes like very oh right far away wide shots Mm -hmm. um very few close-ups but there are they Mm -hmm. they are there but again very purposeful Mm -hmm. uh very minimalistic yeah, it's interesting because the, the director used to be he used to do ski photography, like yeah. cinematography. So yeah, it definitely shows. It's like, yeah, it shows yeah. like he knows how to cover like like make a mountain white mountain look nice. Like also, um, like you said about the framing, especially after Thomas's, you know, betrayal after that lunch from oh, yeah. Snow Hill. Um, a lot of the times when the adults are standing up their heads are cut off frame. oh yeah that's like yeah. particularly eva like there's a point in time in the film where she, you can tell she's like she's just done yeah so like every they frame her and her her head's cut off pretty yeah. much in every shot yeah shoot, shoot her from the back you know what's a great shot i i didn't realize like until i was just like calming just looking for extra like, information about the movie but the shot in the bathroom like they shoot a lot in the bathroom where they have the, yeah. like, a mirror yeah like kids are brushing their teeth they're all brushing and stuff right yeah but it's impossible because it's shot you can see there's the mirror and then you see the actors in front and it's like but the camera's not there like right the way it should look is that you, the, you would see the camera in the shot yeah so they comp- they composited it out but like the thing is like when you're watching you never even consider that right i was like wow that's i didn't really i didn't re- like i didn't notice that that shot shouldn't or, or- was the camera just in front of them and it acted as or mirror? No, it was. It, it, they would have had to film behind the actors. Okay. And then just composite the the camera out of frame or out of the the shot. Wow. Because there's a point in time where um, you can see uh, Thomas like when when he slams the toothbrush down and goes like vibrating on the counter. Some of the toothpaste goes on a mirror. So you know that there was like actual. Oh, interesting. It was an actually a mirror there. Yeah. Like that's. But you don't like you're so engrossed in the movie that you'd never even take into consideration. Yeah, you don't that. you don't think about stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool how like yeah, as now we're like film people, I guess. Yeah, like people officially in the industry. Yeah, like I've caught myself thinking about stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching this documentary on Hitchcock's Psycho mm-hmm. and they were talking about that shot of just the the shower head with water coming out mm-hmm. and they said they angled it in such a way that the water wasn't splashing on the camera but mm-hmm. it still looked like it was coming right at you and like i remember listening and watching that and i could not understand what the heck these people were freaking out about it's like it's just water coming out of a shower head why are you guys making such a big deal out of it but when mm-hmm. when you realize the technical yeah the technical marvel that has to go into mm-hmm. setting up a shot like that yeah, yeah you it, really appreciate it more yeah when you actually have to set up a shot yourself you're like i've got an idea this would look cool and then you try to do you're like oh this is like where do i have to put the camera what's the the, the focal length that like there's so many different things yeah to take so many things yeah so like that shot there i was like I didn't even notice it until somebody else pointed it out. I was like, that's, that's... Yeah. I Yeah, it was, I really like that shot. Those bathroom scenes, they kind of act like as a barometer of where the family is at. Yeah, Yeah, true. because, yeah, every single time, like in the first act of the movie, you see them getting ready, all four of them in the bathroom together, and everything's in sync, everything's mm. copacetic, and they have a very symbiotic relationship. 
And then after the avalanche, they're never in the washroom at the same time again? Um, I don't know. Ebba and Thomas are. Ebba and Thomas are, but she, again, she barely looks at him yeah. anytime they're in there. Um, yeah, just it's like just bloody. so cold. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what thing? I really appreciated the the child actors in this movie. Oh yeah, did you? Yeah, they're they were really like, you really felt like these were kids that just went through a traumatic event. Yeah. And it's like you don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. And, like, the boy's, like, worried that the parents are going to get divorced. And yeah, exactly. Like, oh, kids are so much more perceptive than I think adults give them credit perceptive. for. And I've, I feel like those kids really, like, they did a good job. Like, yeah. Like, really good acting chops for such young kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, They weren't, like, I wouldn't say they were super prominent, but mm-hmm. they were always there. Yeah. And especially the third time watching, I felt their presence a mm-hmm. lot more because anytime the parents started fighting, you know they're just in the other room. Mm-hmm. Or even if they walk out of the hotel room, you you know they're just right behind that door. Mm-hmm. And there's that really, um, oh, just heartbreaking shot of them like sitting in the dark, like waiting for their parents to finish the fight and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, it, it's, it's really heartbreaking. In terms of also like um, the setting of this whole movie at a ski resort and mm-hmm. everything. Um, again, I wish I could have thought of this up myself, but again, I read it in an interview. But basically, the ski resort is a metaphor and a summary of the thesis for this movie, which is like the civilized versus the uncivilized, mm. nature versus nurture, because um, in between scenes with you know our characters, mm. Uh, they would keep putting in shots and also Vivaldi's summer. Oh, right, and they have the, um, the, yeah, yeah, the, the snow mobiles. Yeah. yeah. They were basically, in between scenes, you would keep getting shots of the ski resort um, especially at nighttime yeah. or early in the morning. F- putting fresh powder on the yeah, slopes. Yeah, where they're f- putting fresh powder on the slopes and you see snowmobiles like running through them mm-hmm. and the ski resort going through their like usual routine of controlling nature, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? They're, yeah. they're constantly trying to control nature, but by controlling nature is the very reason why this family's in the position they are to begin with yeah. because yeah also the name itself force majeure for anyone who is wondering i think it is a french term yeah, it's, french. it's a french term it has a few different meanings um it means superior force i think in latin latin it means chance occurrence um or unavoidable accident mm-hmm. it's, it yeah. can be translated like in terms of like act of god as well act of god as well yeah Yeah. so funny that yeah oh man right like in terms of like back to you know the expectations placed on you know um men and women and whatnot um i think i asked a question do you think this movie would have played out any differently if it was, if they decided to have Ebba being the run one to run out on the family. Well, I guess that's the funny thing about the movie because it kind of did. 
Like kind of did, yeah, um, like, in a bit. In, at the end of the movie, they're the families when they're leaving the ski resort. They're on a bus, and the bus is um, trying to make its way down the hill, and it's just like not going. Actually, that scene is direct is another uh, reference to a YouTube video that the director. Yeah, I guess he watches a lot of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, they said he says himself he spends a lot of time on YouTube. But My yeah. Man. Right, yeah. Um, so it's like, I think it's, I can't remember where that video is actually taken from off the top of my head, but when he's, yeah, the mo- mom, she's like, gets freaked out, leaves the bus, everybody leaves the bus. Um, Matt's is like, kind of the guy who's like, everybody's gonna like stampede everybody, and he's like, hey, call, yeah. sens- call sensibility into everybody so everybody leaves orderly. Right, yeah, um, that's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I think, was that line even in English? Something about... Everybody needs to calm down. If we act like animals, we're going to get killed, right? I, or something like I that. I don't remember. Sometimes when I watch movies with subtitles, yeah, you I don't know if like you think they're saying stuff, but I, I don't remember if that was subtitled yeah. or if it was actually... That might have been in English. I don't know. We'll edit in the clip and we'll yeah. find out. Um, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, calm down. Calm, hey, everybody, everybody calm down, Okay. Everybody calm down. Act civilized, the people will get hurt, okay? One at a time, please. And let the women and the children out first. Please. Everybody, nice and gentle. But the mom is the one who, uh, who's the person who freaks, freaks out. out and leaves the, the kids and the family behind. behind. And then they're walking down the hill. Um, and it's interesting because I, I think... It's similar in effect to what happened before, but not quite. There's a part of me that feels like it would have played out differently if it was her that... I feel like she would have been more inclined to apologize. I think that's... Definitely. I feel like that's the biggest thing. Like She would have apologized for... It's like, I'm sorry I ran away. I just got so scared. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it would have been resolved. It would have been resolved, yeah. How about in terms of like audiences reactions to ebba running out versus um thomas running out on the family during the avalanche if it was the roles reverse i think i you know what i honestly do think as much um no i honestly do think if ebba was the one who ran out on the family during the avalanche i feel like audiences would be more offended by that Offended? I'm um, like sure more, I'm... more, sh- even more shocked because it's already angering. It's already offensive enough that a father does that to the family again w- with all the expectations mm. on men to be heroic and like of all the people you could say why the hell not your own flesh and blood and the love of your life like. Um, but I feel like especially for a mom to do that. I, f- yeah, I don't know. I I'm feel like sure. there's. I'm a not certain... sure if I quite agree with that, but I really? don't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it'd be something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like it would have be held against her as much. You you feel you feel she would have gotten more. You feel audiences would have given her more leniency. I feel like there'd be more sympathy for her. Really? Yeah. I I feel people would be angry at well, that it's, it's character. Well, it's kind of like. Because especially in this post, 
postmodern feminist day and age where women are, women are expected to stand toe-to-toe with men mm-hmm. um, and to be just as brave of them because that is what we want. We want to be respected mm-hmm. the, the, with this, as the same level as a guy, right? Um, we're expected to perform just as well as you guys physically, mentally, and be, the, be a provider for the family just as much. And suddenly... And then on top, even before all of that, to be, you know, to be a mom, there's mm-hmm. all of that expectation and responsibility surrounding motherhood. Um, to suddenly have a mom run out on their kids in the middle of an avalanche or some sort of disaster like that, I feel audiences would not be able to compute that. I don't know if I agree with that. I really I feel like. Hmm. I don't. I feel. I don't feel like I would be frowned upon. I. I feel like. Wow. Really. I'm not. Not. Not at the same level. Like I, maybe it's. You think Thomas would still get? Is Thomas? You think people are would or more angry at Thomas than if Eva did? Yes. Wow. I really disagree well, with that. We can disagree. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't the, like. I'm just trying to play it out in my head, like. Because how about in a different context where, you know, whenever you hear about a dad running out, like leaving the family, Mm -hmm. it's always heartbreaking, but it's almost even half expected. It's such a cliche joke now that dad went out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back. But anytime you hear a mom walking out on the family, I feel like people are I, not I, I used feel to like that that's as much. Not used to it as much because it's not as I f- don't feel like it's as common. Yeah, but because I, and but also it, it's, that it's a kind of a different situation, in, in a sense. Like I understand what you mean, but it's not like right. But I feel in like the it's, context, it's a flight or flight moment. I feel like it's like you would expect the person who can lift more to lift more in a situation, and I feel like the man can lift more like he can grab the two kids under each arm and then the woman can the run mom can right after run, the, run right behind them or go uh, go ahead and it's just like yeah but i think it's just in my perception of things right i feel like when it comes to dangerous situations i still feel like people would favor to save the women and children first yeah, and I feel like if a woman took the, took the initiative to save herself, like it would be like it'd be unfortunate that she would run off by herself. But I feel like in that circumstance, it wouldn't be. I feel like it. It would just be not as. No, I feel like audiences would be pissed off at Ebba if she was the one. I don't know because there's just so much pressure on a woman to. Again, again, like there's so much pressure on women nowadays. Again, to to perform just as well as a man, and also to be a fantastic mom. And how could you betray your own flesh and blood like that? And like again, I would even argue motherhood is, if not at least a little bit more romanticized than fatherhood because of how things are. The fact that we are literally growing the baby inside of us for nine months. There is that physical blood connection there. Mm-hmm. And then we give life to it. And then even after that, for at least a year, ideally, 
we are their source of food mm-hmm. and comfort and I'm not disagreeing with any of yeah, that. Yeah, and then for for the idea of a mom to run out on you know but i think this is a fight or flight situation if it's like a family like you leave the household like yeah it's it's i get where you mean like it's it's more common for the dude to do it yeah but i don't feel like the situation's completely parallel to the to a a fight or flight situation fight or flight situations like this is an immediate danger like we need to get out of here i feel like putting the responsibility on the man to save the kids yeah it won't be as frowned upon as the man who is like i imagine the dad stronger than the mom he could literally carry both kids under his arm yeah like just grab them and go yeah he like but he took off like yeah the mom could probably save one kid yeah sophie's choice (laughs) yeah one kid in just by carrying them so i feel like that's just my perception of things yeah. I can understand that it's like, it'd be one of those, like, you left your kids, that's pretty low. But at the same time, like, I feel like there'd be more empathy for her, for the fact that she did. Like, it'd do be. You, do you have more sympathy for her? It sounds like you're way more sympathetic towards her than Thomas. In, in some cases, yeah. Like, I'm sympathetic to both. It's just, uh, the issue is, I guess when the thing that plays out is, like, he was in denial because he felt shame. And she yes. was angry, yeah, justifiably so, because he wouldn't admit that he was, um, he had issue. Like you just like just admit it, just admit that just, you made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. You like there would be no reason for all of that. Like he would have felt bad for a little bit, but then there'd be reconciliation. There would be reconciliation. But yeah. it's just like she did the same thing, and nobody like at the end of the movie, she literally left the, her kids. She left everybody on the bus. Like literally. Yeah. The bus could have fell off the mountain if the bus driver was, and she would be the only one who would save. Yeah. Who was saved. And nobody criticized her for leaving. Yeah. So I've, yeah, I really wrestled with that because I felt like the way I reacted to that scene was very contradictory to what, to, to my opinion of, I would be angry at her mm-hmm. um, if she did that to her own family and then she did and I didn't feel angry at her about that I think my only reasoning behind that is with the bus thing and it's like a really well shot scene like Mm -hmm. because you see it from Mm -hmm. the back of their heads their perspective and just how um, unnerving Mm -hmm. looking out that front window is it really looks like they're about to topple over that Mm -hmm that cliff and the but as unnerving as that situation was the only reason why i think i was not angry at ava for doing that was because it didn't feel as life-threatening that it was if it was if it was truly a life-threatening situation and that bus was hanging off a cliff and she just says fuck my family, breaks the window, and jumps out about any of them, I would be really pissed off. Hmm. But because the bus was still safely on the road and she got it to stop and she bolted out, um, I think that's the only reason why I'm not angry at her for doing that. Because, yeah. <laughs> that hmm. my, that's my only 
as opposed to an actual avalanche hurling at you. That yeah. That's but, interesting. Because yeah. I wasn't mad at her. Like it, it was one of those situations. Like okay, you. For me, I was like. It's one of those no harm, no foul situations. Yeah, exactly. The the whole the whole situation as a whole, but at the same time, like, don't admit that you're wrong. And it, there was there seemed to be no. She didn't seem to take responsibility for it. Yeah, I don't. And it's like, regardless of whether or not, it was a life threatening situation. Everybody on the bus was afraid, and she was like, "Let me off." She's yeah. Not like, let us off. Yeah. She said, "Let me off. I need to get off this bus." Like right. she was. Like, her kids were there. She knew they were there. I need to get off this bus. <laughs> Open the doors, please. I want to get out of here. Open the doors. Open the fucking doors. I want to get out of here, please. Yeah, let us turn. Yeah. My family needs to get off this bus. It's like, she legitimately... Right. She could have been the only one off the bus, and the bus could have it could have toppled. Like it, those that road was like skinny, man. It was like windy and skinny. Like and he was jerking and twisting and didn't know yeah, what the heck like, he was doing. It yeah. could have gone off. Like so many accidents happen on mountains ways. Like yeah, all the time. So like it seems seeming not as life threatening. Like I guess it, at the end it wasn't because the bus drives away. Yeah. Um, it. It still was a dangerous situation. And I guess, yeah. Like I, I don't know. It's like I. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, I, I, it I just is don't weird. feel like it, the if the roles were reversed, like given the context of what happens later on, I'm like I don't necessarily feel like it would it would have been. It would have. You you feel like I feel like it. it was audiences just one, would be less angry at it, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel. This is when you guys get to uh, you know yeah. comment. <laughs> yeah. Please. I, I don't feel like I feel like Thomas like he I feel like I feel like there'd be less empathy for him if like, they think there'd be more empathy for uh, Eva Ebba. in the situation with the avalanche than with Thomas and the avalanche interesting I well I disagree I guess we'll find out in the comments section yeah. if people please comment um Okay, another question I want to ask before we finish this up. So I asked you how you would react um, if you were in Thomas's case. What if you were in Ebba's situation? How pissed off would you be if your wife and the mother of your children <laughs> did hmm. that? Grounds for divorce? No. 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 I would... This is the thing. If if there was in the situation with Avalanche, I'd be annoyed that she wouldn't grab the kid beside her. Right, yeah. Because I know that I could if there's one kid beside me, I could grab that kid. If there's one kid beside her, she could grab that kid. Mm-hmm. It's like but you're putting everybody in a situation where it's like I don't necessarily have the reaction time to get up and leave with both kids. Like I probably knock the table aside like to grab the kids, my food would be like wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be annoyed, but uh, at the same time, like, but I can understand, and it's just like you just need to have a quick discussion. It's like that. Yeah, I, you just it's need like, to. It's it was hard. I'm upset that you left. Right. 
Like, yeah. this, like I, I, I get it. Like, I understand yeah. why you did, but I get, I, I'm still upset about that. Right. But I, like, you have to just forgive the person. And, but, and again, too, you think it's a mix of both. You can't, you don't think it's just biology taking over us? Um, I think that this, the flight or fight mechanism is definitely a biological, like. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, we do have the ability to make choices for ourselves, and we do have a way to, like, yeah say like you can say you're sorry you can admit yeah. fault like yeah and it's kind of strange when you think about it because you think about all those other jobs that you know firefighters policemen doctors mm. nurses soldiers like they you have to train against what your own you know basic biological mm-hmm. instinct is telling you like i don't even know how you get around to that you have to run towards the danger yeah that's, yeah that's, i don't that's, yeah requires a lot of training I, yeah that's like, not yeah, nope. again if this movie was like if that patio was filled with firefighters i'm pretty sure we wouldn't even have a movie it'd be a very yeah, short they would have grabbed everybody movie. Who... yeah exactly so um yeah it yeah, this movie definitely makes you think of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. This movie definitely, um, yeah, it stayed with me uh, even to this day for a long time. And mm-hmm. it, I keep thinking about it, actually, mm-hmm. because it hits on, I think, yeah, a lot of very universal things. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you do in that situation? And it, then, it, it yeah. And even it's like how your reaction and your decisions thereafter affects a greater number of people. Right. Because Thomas, like, him not admitting I made a mistake, <coughs> it's like it affected his his wife, his kids' kids. It affected his the relationship with his... The relationship, the interaction that Matt and uh, Fanny had mm-hmm. in their private room was deliberately related to him not dealing with like not yeah. saying i'm sorry and then all like, of his drama flows into yeah the, so yeah. like people not checking themselves and like not getting not taking responsibility for their actions yeah it affects a lot more people than i think we often give it credit for yeah definitely like i think in the end um this movie was basically just trying to you know get audiences to realize that even though we're civilized, we should also acknowledge we're all flawed, vulnerable yeah. people, and we mess up. Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the best examples of that in the yeah. movie is the, like when, when at the end of the movie when they're walking down the hill and then he mm. uh, Thomas is offered a cigarette and then the guy's like, oh, you want a cigarette? He's like, no, no, no. It's like actually, I'll take one. Yeah. And then he has to like admit to his, like his son's like, daddy, do you smoke? He's like, yes, I do. And he yeah. just comes to terms with the fact that like. I'm not a a perfect person. No. I don't need to put on a front anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, and yeah, I feel like that was a really great, basically, period to to the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially to right after Ebba basically does the same thing as Mm -hmm. Thomas, and then Thomas is smoking in front of his kids. It's like, yeah, we're all human, and we have flaws, and... We're all animals too, mm-hmm. at at our more most basic level. So yeah, I think it's just, it was interesting because I I it's I feel like at the end of the movie everybody understood each other a little bit more. Yeah, because even uh, Fanny like seeing that Matt's was like willing to say hey like took charge of the situation. Yeah, it's, like he did. was a leader, and she's like oh you are a leader. I I misjudged you. Yeah, and then Eva's like 
was mad at Thomas, obviously, and she's like, whoa, I'm capable of the same thing as him. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly... Even there's some moments in the movie where you really see how, how how selfish she is, in a sense. Like, in particular, like, the scene where she's on the, the ski lift with the other skiers and she accidentally hit somebody's head with the ski thing. Oh, and yeah. And she doesn't apologize. Yeah, but at she, the I same understand. time... She's, 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 she's bitter, but at the same time, like, she could have just... Apologized? Yeah, yeah. it's like... It's, but she's in a funk, come on. But even still, even being in a funk, like, just because you're in a funk doesn't give you the right to not apologize to someone when fair, you, you rightly enough. wrong them. Fair enough. But it's like, she she's just as, I won't say just as bad, like, I think Thomas's behavior brought out the worst in her, or she at least chose to... to yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say that's the worst of her. It's just, well, she's she is just not having it, and mm. she's shut off, and she can't just... Like, she just has, she just can't deal with other people right now. Like, I'd hit your head, whatever. You'll survive. I yeah. survived an avalanche. So, yeah. But yeah. It was just like, it was rude. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's rude. Yeah. But yeah, this film definitely, again, uh, holds a mirror up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And makes you ask all these really uncomfortable yeah. questions about yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I would definitely recommend this movie. It's a good one. And I definitely um, did recommend this movie. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> did. So, uh, yeah, I guess we can call it a day. Yep. Yeah, a good first episode, I think. I think so. Yeah, so uh, everyone, thank you so much for uh, staying and watching with us. I know this is a yeah long episode. Hopefully we'll edit it down, I guess. Hmm, yeah. um, we would very much like to uh, thank Mike Nevada, uh, who was the one that lent us these lovely microphones and also your church for lending us this camera. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Um, our friend Mike Nevada, who lent us these microphones too, he also has his own podcast called Monster Slayers, I believe, on the Geek Happy Network, which is also a website that I am a part of. So if you're looking for any new podcasts uh, that focuses on entertainment, movies, books, uh, it's a great one to check out uh so yeah until next time uh what movies are uh what are what are the next two movies that our audience should be watching uh for the next episode i have no idea you have no idea come on man okay so like the next movie i believe you've recommended to me is um a tiny little art house film called avengers affinity war or something oh, right yeah, right. yeah. yeah so i've never seen it so he's recommending it to me Some people and i hear it. it's just on netflix so we'll be watching that tomorrow actually uh as, as of the time of this video and um for you uh since avengers is a disney themed movie i thought i'd recommend a disney movie to him and it's going to be treasure planet haven't seen it yep okay that's how it works Mm -hmm. so uh thank you again so much for watching and we will see you in the next frame bye bye